Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. For all of your heating and air needs, you can book an appointment online to have a service technician come out and look at your system and give it a tune-up or check on whatever repair you might need. If you're having issues there, you can give them a call at 865-299-2290. That's Blue Water Climate Control. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs on this Tuesday. Tennessee is going to play Vanderbilt if they play a football game. Vanderbilt says that they're going to be able to play on Saturday. So that's what Tennessee is going to do, even though the Ole Miss and Texas A&M game was canceled. So Tennessee knows their opponent if there's a game. Now, Vanderbilt could still come up and say they don't have enough to play or they can't play, but um, it's going to be Vanderbilt or our bust for Tennessee. And if you're Tennessee, um, Austin, the, the question everybody wants to know, what are they going to do at quarterback? We learned on Monday that, that they put a final note, I guess, on Jerry Garantano's career. So what do you expect Tennessee to do at quarterback this week? Well, I think that they'll just settle it in practice. And if it's like last week's practice, then I think that JT Shrout, you know, will will be the starter Saturday. But both will play in the first half. Both will play uh, on Saturday. And, and, and I would say Tennessee will go with two quarterbacks. Both of you guys have covered this program for a long time, as have I. How bizarre is the whole JT Shrout deal to, to go from three snaps against Kentucky that apparently he messed up, and, and we noted that, the, you know, the days after the Kentucky game, to not being a factor for forever, to now potentially starting the, the Vanderbilt game after his performance to close out the Florida game, where clearly, Rob, he played well, 12 of 14, 121 yards and a touchdown. How crazy – is the whole coming out of nowhere situation with JT Shroud. It's completely berserker. I mean, he, I think, yes, Florida was in a prevent defense and, you know, they were, they were vanilla, but that's still two 90 plus yard touchdown drives. I mean, it looked like he's the best quarterback Tennessee has on the roster. I would say, you know, just based, you know, that's a, that's a very small sample size, but, and it, and even if he's not the best quarterback on the roster, which he, he certainly looked like on Saturday, he, he, he sure as heck looked like a guy that should have gotten more than three snaps before Saturday against Florida with, with what you have been getting from the quarterback position. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's not mind-boggling to watch some of the throws he makes. Hose, you and I sat there last summer and watched him uh, throw routes on air with, with, with players in the summertime. And, you know, you, Jesse, and I all remarked, you know, like if you were if you were just solely throwing a routes on air session, nobody throws and, and puts on more of a show in a routes on air session than JT Shroud. I mean, like, I mean, he, he can spin it and and can make a, a ton of throws. Um, I honestly wonder if, you know, part of Saturday was the fact that, you know, he came in in the fourth quarter, they're down there was no pressure on him and he just kind of went out there and played free. You know, sometimes that you mentally, you know, think, you know, kids can have, you know, kind of hurdles in front of them when, when, you know, they, they, they struggle, you know, to get out of their own head and get out of their own way. I just wonder Saturday, he just went out there and said, I got nothing to lose and just played and played free. And, well, and Hubbard, you, you, noted, you noted this in the, in the three, two, one, I think what also helped him is, they just weren't pounding up the middle trying to get out of the, you know, get in the locker. Yeah, they let him play. They let him play. 
Yeah, they, they, they certainly did. So, I mean, what, what do we think the realistic expectations are for him? I mean, and what I'm trying to get my hands around is, is this guy was non-factor for multiple weeks. And then like the light bulb came on a week and a half ago and he had these great practices and they were going to maybe start him against Florida, but he hurts his shoulder and the TV crew says he's out because he's got a labrum issue and then he plays and now he may start that that's the whole thing. I mean, from a, from a physicality, from a physical standpoint, throwing the ball when healthy, Austin, you're exactly right. He throws the prettiest ball. We saw that a year ago in a game when he threw the deep ball, right? I mean, yeah. so you, you I mean he throws some of those outs that are. Yeah, he's got a great, he's got a really good arm. There's no question about that. I'm trying to figure out how the guy went from a non-factor at Auburn to being a guy who's going to start potentially in the Vanderbilt game. Like, I mean, do we, are, are we just, are we just to assume that the light switch, that it just came on automatically or is what Rob, what Austin's implying a little bit that maybe you got to be careful not to put too much stock in what you saw in the fourth quarter against Florida when there was no pressure on him and the, and the score wasn't zero, zero. Well, I mean, I, I think you've got to be careful about putting too much stock in it, but I also think you just can't ignore it, you know? Um, and, and my, my point is with as when you were getting arguably the worst quarterback play in the SEC outside of maybe Kentucky, how does this kid, how have you not seen something on the practice field to, to, to at least give this kid a shot? And I'm asking that question, Austin. I, I guess that Rob put it better than me. How come he didn't get a shot somewhere during this losing streak before Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, I, the, the decisions they've made at the quarterback position will be the ones that forever, you know, haunt the staff unless, you know, and will forever haunt Jeremy Pruitt, you know, unless, you know, they can hit on a quarterback, as you talked about in the chat. I mean, that's ultimately the the, the way that this thing, you know, how the worm turns for Pruitt, you know, if he hits on a quarterback, whether that's one that he has on his roster or one that he brings in by a transfer and or a recruiting class. So, um, you know, the, the decisions that have been made on who to take or, you know, who to play, um, I mean, like, they're just head scratchers sometimes. I mean, like, you know, I think sometimes they just overthink the little things. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that's the, you know, somebody asked me on Sunday, you know, kind of big picture, what's your takeaway? And that's my biggest takeaway is just, just kind of the personnel stuff from the rotation of the offensive line, which Austin, we talked about in the middle of the night, driving back up the road from Columbia, South Carolina. It felt bizarre that night in terms of how they rotated and the guys they played on the offensive line. And they followed suit with it all season long from the standpoint of Cooper Mays and, and Jerome Carvin, you know, kind of bouncing back and forth, you know, on the game, you know, Saturday night. And now with Brandon Kennedy back in the fold, what do they do at the center position? I, I just think big picture takeaway, that's going to be the biggest thing about this season is just – the head scratchers and some of the personnel moves that, that this staff has made throughout the season. I, I want to ask you about Harrison Bailey after you know, watching it live and then rewatching it and dissecting things and looking at it. What, what's your thoughts on, on how Harrison Bailey played in, and what you see um, out of him moving forward? I, I don't want to say ceiling because I don't think that's a fair question to ask or, or us to even suggest with him playing one game and not seeing him daily on the practice field and that type of thing. 
but just an assessment of his first real outing and his first meaningful snaps. He, he did okay, um, but most of his throws were around the line of scrimmage. He did not push the ball down the field very much in, uh, in his completions. Um, didn't really force it much either. So, I mean, like he, he kind of took what was there. I uh, did go through his progression. Um, did not put the ball in harm's way. So he did solid, um, you know, but I mean, like yeah, he did nothing, you know, again, I mean, Shrout came in and two drives through for as many yards as, as Harrison did the entire, the entire game. So, you know, Harrison did nothing to set, you know, to show me. Yeah. That's definitely Tennessee's future at the quarterback position. Rob, he just didn't, he, he didn't do anything, you know, to, you know, say, okay, that guy can't play a lick either. You know, no, it was kind I, of just a vanilla. I thought solid. I mean, I, the most impressive thing to me was was his poise. I mean, he yeah, didn't, Moxie. He had chosen Moxie. He didn't. He didn't panic and, and force anything like like the you know the fifth year senior has done multiple times playing turnover free and and just managing the game. I don't think there were no no delay of games unless I'm. They had to call. They call. They call one timeout because I think they were going to yeah. delay a game, but they called the one timeout. Um, I guess on the scoring drive uh, that they called a timeout when they were in the the plus side of the field. Uh, but overall, yeah, his operation was, was, was fine. I, it didn't, it didn't look too big for him. I mean, he didn't just wow you. I mean, he wasn't Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but he looked like a kid that deserved a chance. And you wonder what he might be like now, if he'd have you know, got to play the fourth quarter against Kentucky or, you know, play five, four or five series against Alabama. I, I mean, I just, I left the game feeling like you at least have something to work with there for sure. I thought his pocket presence was was pretty solid. I thought he held on to the ball a couple of times too long for for a sack, but I thought overall he had a pretty good feel in the pocket for things. Um, footwork was was pretty good in terms of getting out of trouble. You know, he didn't. You know, he's not going to run it for a bunch of yards, but he showed a little more mobility than I thought he would show. Clearly, he's got to develop a vertical passing game and the ability to push the ball down the field. And and I think that was something we all probably anticipated coming in. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of liked the plan they had for him. Um, that wasn't going to be a plan that scored a bunch of points, you know, and, and maybe they tried to get a little too aggressive in the second quarter, pushing it down the field, which, you know, wasn't maybe tailor made for him. And that's what allowed Florida to kind of get the game, of, you know, get, you know, separate themselves there in that uh, final four minutes of the first half and first four minutes of the second half. I think Florida was going to win the football game anyway. But, I mean, I did think that they did some some solid things with him, and I thought he handled himself, you know, pretty well um, overall. So we'll see how this quarterback group plays coming up on Saturday against Vanderbilt and a team um, that's just not very good. And, and you got you to gotta wonder just how interested they are in playing um, on both sides of the ball. The freshman quarterback, Seals, has not been bad. Their defense has been atrocious. Um, how interested are they in playing? We'll see. It does feel like Tennessee is pretty interested in playing, and that's my next question, you guys. How surprised are you at Tennessee that, that the effort has been what it's been week in and week out, even though they've been losing games and all kinds of ways possible? I'm actually not surprised. You know, I mean, you know, I, they, they, they stayed engaged a year ago when they had the terrible start. They didn't stay engaged now. I know two two somewhat different groups, but at the same time, there's enough similarities there um, that I, I'm just not surprised that they, they've continued to battle. And, uh, you know, on Saturday, like, 
after you've kind of got punched in the gut 50 times by, you know, defensive touchdowns, whether it be pick sixes or fumble recoveries, and then, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, kicked in the teeth for the last six weeks, I would venture to say this group, you know, is going to want to try to get fat and happy early, you know, against Vanderbilt and, and, and to quote Pruitt in every pregame speech, because I think it's the one maxim he knows the most is put on more steam and, 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 and keep just rolling. I mean, I think if they can win the game 70 to nothing, they'll try to like that. That's the kind of like, you know, they want to kick the crap out of somebody else because they're tired of getting the crap kicked out of them. Yeah, you would think that you'd think they'd want to take out their frustrations on everybody, right? Or, you know, Rob. But your your thoughts on this team's surprised? I mean, I mean, and I give Pruitt and, and the staff credit. I mean, I'm not saying I'm surprised that they don't that they're trying hard at the beginning of games. I'm surprised that that effort sustains when things start to go bad. I mean, you know, like they, the Tyler Chandler touchdown run the other night. Yeah, that, I mean that's a great example. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a kid that's going hard. I mean, I just, I, I don't effort and want to have not been a problem for this team. They played, you know, they, the first half of Arkansas might've been the best they played sustained for two quarters all year. Um, obviously they blew it in the second half, but that was a team that came out ready to play. Obviously at Auburn jumped out to the lead, you know, they're up seven to three on Florida in the first half. So I'm, I'm impressed because I, I really thought this had the potential to go South. In, in terms of that. And, 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 you know, people keep asking, what's the mood in the locker room? What's the mood in the locker room? I mean, I think you see from the effort that it's not, you know, the, the disaster that a lot of people would expect from a two and 16 with this kind of losing streak. I mean, they're two and six. The reason you let the, the you know, everybody, cause everybody's, you know, everybody, if you look at the board, not, not the, the, the general's quarters is, you know, indicative of every fan, but like, you know, if you just look at the GQ, they're so done, ready to move on to the next staff. But you let the season play out because, okay, you know, if they lose Saturday, it, it, they they make the case for the GQ. Whereas, though, if they win Saturday and Shrout builds off what he did, you know, let's say against Florida, and then they were to somehow upset Texas A&M next weekend, you know, and I know that's asking, you know, that's asking a lot. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Texas A&M, to me, you know, is a good but not great team. So, like, you know, if, if you were to find something and end up going four and six, then more of it's a, it looks more like a year of missed opportunity than it does anything else and head scratching. Yeah, I mean, this is a team in a six-game losing streak has had the lead at the half in four of the six games. Or they've had a lead in the second quarter in four of the six games. They've had a lead at the half in three of the six. You know, I mean, this team this team's not been able to finish – and maybe that's adjustments at the half, which falls on the staff, you know, whatever the case may be that that's, you know, that's the reality of what it's, of what it is and what it's been for this team. I don't think you make any moves right now, but because of the early signing date, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can do that at this point in time, because you're not going to get anything settled. I mean, Shane Beamer's hired at South Carolina and he's got what two weeks to, to, Less than two weeks, right? To put us to to put a class together to finish out yep. a class, which is I, what Jeremy had three years ago, right? And I just don't think that works very well. I mean, I, I just think that I think that's you know, and and they're not you know, that's why I don't think if there's anything's going to happen, it's not going to happen between now and the end of this regular season, um, and that's why you're going to let this season play out, and we'll see what happens moving moving forward with staff and, and what everything looks like. Uh, speaking of how everything plays out and, and moving forward, I, I saw this tweet from Brett McMurphy today. We're going to talk a little basketball in just a second, but I saw this tweet from Brett McMurphy earlier today. 
In the past eight days, 121 FBS players have entered the transfer portal and 26 entered it on Monday. I mean, somebody's getting, I mean, these guys are going to, some of these guys are going to get a rude awakening and the fact that there's just not going to be landing places for all these moves. And there's no guarantee of the one-time, one-time transfer rule. I think everybody's anticipating that. Um, but boy, it's a crazy time to be jumping around. And I mean, we're seeing decommits, we're seeing transfers. It's kind of crazy out there right now in terms of player elected roster movement to me. I mean, how does, I mean, I I I just don't, I don't know. I think some guys are going to be crushed with what, with the phone not ringing the way they think it's going to ring. Right. You're going to see some guys leaving power five schools and end up at McNeese state. I mean, if they want to keep playing. For, for the, you know, for the guys like Eric Gilbert, you know, that could go in the portal, they've already got homes likely already lined up. But these other guys you're talking about are ones that, you know, think that, you know, people are going to be clamoring to take them. And you're right. I think a lot of these coaches are going to take a wait-and-see approach. You know, who, who, who comes on the market once the one-time transfer waiver does go into effect, providing it does go into effect. Yeah, I mean, and, and we don't know for sure that that's going to, the assumption that it has been going to. And I think you're right, Rob. I think there's going to be, you know, the uh, McNeese State, you know, Deion Sanders down at, at Jackson State. Some of the, I mean, oh, he, he's, you know, he's rubbing his hands in anticipation. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be transfer you at some of those lower level places because these guys just aren't, aren't going to find a home. Um, and you're right, Austin, the big name players like Gilbert, some of those guys, I mean, they've got a home lined up, you know, and, and they're not worried about it. They're going to be able to land some places, but there's some guys taking some chances. And, uh, I, I don't think it's going to end very, very well for, for some of those guys, for sure. Uh, before we get to hoops, last thing, um, Brent Samaglia opts out, um, and then has the, the peculiar tweet. And Austin, we talked about it a little bit on the two minute drill. It, it, I mean, when you see all these guys on Twitter, and I know it's a feeding frenzy right now with whatever Brian Mowers tweeted out or whatever Samaglis phrasing was and all this stuff, it, it, is all that stuff just hyperbole and overblown? And you don't get, you don't, you just don't dive into all that and dissect that the way a lot of people want it dissected. Well, no, I mean, I think the perception's reality. And okay. the perception is that tweet, you know, was phrased kind of odd. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, whether, you know, whether he meant it that way or not, it comes across that way and just adds to the line of thinking, um, you know, just like, you know, Tennessee held on to some of these commits probably a fraction too long. And even though Tennessee's going to end up moving on from a guy like Daryl Jackson, the common perception out there against Joe Blow fan is, is it's rats jumping off a sinking ship. The intelligent fans understand Tennessee's not recruited Daryl Jackson in several months, but like the common person who's getting on their Facebook and only doesn't really pay attention to it on a daily basis, doesn't understand that. And so they are going, Oh man, another kid left Pruitt's class, you know, when in reality, Tennessee, you know, quit recruiting Daryl Jackson a long time ago. And like I said, there's going to be a few more, you know, or, you know, that, that end up leaving this class. All right, Rob, let's talk some hoops. Tennessee's going to finally get to the hardwood. We think, right. Feel pretty good about Tennessee getting to play tonight. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Feeling pretty good. I, I don't, Colorado's in town. They made the trip. I don't think anything, you know, Tennessee's got two guys out, contact tracing, Drew Pember and Corey Walker, but 
you know, I, I wouldn't have anticipated either of those guys playing in, in any event tomorrow. And, um, but I think Tennessee's at a big disadvantage. You know, they've had a cancellate, you know, canceled four games. They missed 11 days of practice right at what should have been the start of the season. I mean, Colorado had to push the pause button too, but they at least got two button, two, two games under their belts. And they also start three seniors and two juniors. Whereas, you know, Tennessee has two seniors and then, you know, a couple of sophomores and two freshmen that are going to be big time parts of, of anything that happens. So I'd expect tomorrow night to be a little choppy. I mean, I, I think Tennessee wins, but I, I, I think you'll see some, you know, some bumps, some bumps in the road, but I, but I think it'll be exciting. I'll give you Colorado and 10. Lines four and a half. I'll give you Colorado and 10. I don't know if I'd take that right now. Uh, all right. So Rob, tonight, this team lines up. Hey, by play. the way, the major Wingate is he, did he, did he hop a, 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 a ride on the Colorado team playing? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. I, I'm not sure where you're going with that one. I'm not sure I want to know where you're going with that one, but we'll, we'll let that one, We'll let that one move on, Rob. The expectation <laughs> this team is gonna is gonna be um, that that this team should blow everybody out. Okay, I mean that, that's that's the thing. I mean it, you know people have this team penciled in as Elite Eight, Final Four, da 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 da. What 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 is realistic expectations tonight in Game One? As you mentioned with the freshmen and the fact that they've had to hit the pause button, what are your realistic expectations for this team tonight? I mean, how how cohesive can they look on offense? I mean, do, would, I, I really think missing. I mean, I'm not trying to act like it's some insurmountable obstacle, but I, I think it. I think the, the potential for it to be sloppy is definitely there, um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to be the first time. I mean, Keon and Jaden are both going to play 20, 25 minutes. So I would, I would imagine. It's going to be the first time that they've been asked to take a very detailed game plan for the practice court to the playing court. In a normal year, they would have got, you know, they would have had a chance to do that again as controlled scrimmage situation against Davidson, against some slappy in an exhibition game. And they would know what it was like to have, you know, Rick absolutely just busting your chops for two days of practice. If you didn't, you know, call out, call out a screen that you saw on film or, you know, or get to a certain spot on the floor based off what you've, what you've seen on film. And I would imagine there'll be some real hiccups from those two. And, you know, EJ Anasicki, too. I don't know what kind of coaching he got at Sacred Heart, but I bet it – I'll be surprised if it was as detailed and so forth as this. Same, same for VJ Bailey. I mean, those are four guys that I would expect to be – play around, you know, 16, 24 minutes, that it's going to be the first time that, that they've done this. And um, so how cohesive are they on offense? Do they – they, is there flow, as Rick, Rick always likes to use the word flow? How, how is the flow on the offensive end and team defense? Because, I mean, uh, Colorado's experience, but they've got a lot of guys that played a lot of basketball together. I mean, they're not some juggernaut. They're, they were picked to finish in the middle of the pack in the Pac-12, but they do have some veterans, and they've been in the system with a veteran coach for a long time, so they're going to know how to execute what they want to do. Just how cohesive is Tennessee on both ends of the floor? That's what I'm looking for, and I would expect there to be some issues with that. Chances Rick Barnes has to call an early timeout because this team is oh. playing 180 miles an hour, helter-skelter, out of control. I'd say the chances of him – of fans wanting to call a timeout in the first four minutes are excellent. <laughs> Whether or not he is too stubborn to call that timeout is another thing entirely. Whether he's might. mad at his team and wants them just to, you know, wallow in the mire of their own creation for, for a couple for a few possessions is another matter entirely. It's going to be interesting to watch. I know Tennessee fans are excited and 
um, looking for something positive and looking forward to seeing what, what this team looks like on the floor with the, with the anticipation that, that this, that this season brings that they finally get it started here and, and all the, the talent that is surrounding this team. So we'll, and, how, and how about Kentucky start? What's that say about Tennessee's SEC chances? I mean, what's up with Kentucky start basketball guy? What's the story there? I've not watched an entire game. I've watched parts of two they or three. They can't shoot it, right? Is that the they bottom line? They can't shoot it. I don't think they have a point guard. Um, I mentioned in a thread on the board not too long ago, B.J. Boston, I saw I mean, he's a phenomenally talented player, phenomenally talented. I mean, he's definitely NBA-level talent. But I saw him play several times season the summer prior to his senior year because him and Keon were in, in a lot of the same places. He's one of the most selfish kids I've ever seen in summer basketball. That is a mouthful. <laughs> a mouthful. I mean, that's a mouthful. And, you know, I, they're, you know, Cal gets better every year. I'm just not sure that, that, that they're going to – that the chemistry is going to be there in the point guard play. But I think Tennessee, unless they unless Kentucky gets a lot better, Tennessee is – Tennessee's going to have their number. Well, how how good's Missouri? I think that's fool's gold. I mean, I, I mean, I think they're solid. They're tough. I mean, that, you know, Conzo's teams are tough, but I, I don't. I just don't know that they have enough talent to to be more than. I mean, I, I think if they finish middle of the SEC, that's a good year for them. And Auburn. I mean, Auburn's falling off, and they're going to have. I imagine, based off what I'm hearing, they're going to have some quote unquote quote unquote off court noise to deal with down on the plains this year yeah for sure going to be an interesting you know going to be interesting in the league if if everything gets played and, and gets into any kind of rhythm speaking of outside shooting if we'll see how tennessee shoots the ball tonight i think that's something to to watch too that what their outside shooting looks like with this team as they start the season as we wrap it up big picture of the sec back to football for a second your take on the shane beamer hire uh from both of you guys at, at south carolina and um what do you what do you make of of Florida's chances against Alabama? Do they have a shot against Alabama in, in two weeks? I'm not saying the rest of the league doesn't matter, but you know we, we kind of know what everybody else is in the rest of the league in terms of games don't carry a lot of importance because everybody's bowl eligible, and um, I guess ads are going to have to write bowl bonus checks around the league for for losing teams and all that but let's start with, with Shane Beamer a guy who was at Tennessee and obviously everybody knows his dad your, your thoughts Austin on, on Beamer and, and South Carolina's choice there I think it was a, a good hire for them it, 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 they're kind of going the Dabo route um, a guy that's not really been a, you know, a play caller um, you know a guy that you know they, they feel like can you know assemble a good staff put quality people around them a guy that you know is a is more of a born leader than he is necessarily a guy that's an X's and O's coach. Um, and so, um, I, you know, of all the candidates they were in on, I, I, I think he made a lot of sense, you know, to go that route. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that candidate deep was real pool, real deep, and or that pool was real deep, Rob, in terms of experience, guys. Yeah, that's what – I mean, I would temper my response by saying I'm not exactly sure what legitimate options they had out there, but I am I am underwhelmed. I mean, to at that level of job to hire a guy that's – never called a play I just I just know how that hire would have been received by this particular fan base and I don't think it would have been good well I, I think for them they know that they're not a blue blood so it's easier for them to take a chance and, and Beamer's a chance you know they may hit on him and, and then they may you know be sitting there in three years doing it all over again well and it's the Somebody opposite else. it's the opposite of what they've done previously 
Yeah, that's at, true. That's you know, they hi- they hired Muschamp. Muschamp. It was proven. Spurrier, Lou Holtz. I mean, they, they've gone. Three, three retreads. Yeah, the retread guys, and that hasn't ended up working for them. Lastly, as we're out the door, Florida got a prayer, or do you think no. they're going to have a big No, prayer? no. I'm with you guys. I, I, after seeing Florida. I'd be surprised if they keep it within three touchdowns. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee found some stuff defensively against Florida, held them to their lowest uh, point total of the season. First time that Florida had, had back-to-back three and outs. Not that that's some crazy stat, but it is kind of a crazy stat. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that what what's Alabama going to do? They're going to just walk – I mean, like, they go look at their old defense coordinator and go, okay, what he did worked. We've got some better players, so let's do that. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, Alabama's is I think – I think Alabama is going to be able to score because they can yeah. throw it to the backside of the backfield, which Florida has issues with, and they've got weapons to get behind the safeties. And Tennessee got or the corners. Tennessee got behind corners. They didn't. They didn't deliver the football enough. But I mean, Velas Jones, um, who they took the mothballs off in terms of a vertical passing game, you know, was behind corners. You know, in, in his target. So I'm with you guys. I, I don't think I don't give Florida. Uh, a punch, a real puncher's chance to stay in that SEC championship game that that's coming up. But for Tennessee, it's basketball tonight. It's football in Nashville on Saturday against the Vanderbilt Commodores, assuming Vanderbilt can play. We'll talk about it more throughout the rest of the week. We've got full coverage of basketball tonight as well. Uh, that's all up at VolQuest.com. We'll continue our conversations on the general's quarters as we always do. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Be sure and check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.